believe that the Bible is the Word of God and that all of it is useful for teaching us, for rebuking us, for correcting us, and for training us in how to live right, so that the servant of God may be fully equipped for every good work. So let's open the Bible and let's look at it together. From the book of Acts 2, verses 1 to 21. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews, from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each, each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own language or in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. <laughs> We've reached the part of scripture that is one of my favorite in the whole Bible. It's full of such intrigue, hope, potential. There was a moment in history when God moved his presence from dwelling in a temple and accessible to only a few chosen priestly people to being poured out on anyone, all who would earnestly seek him. God began speaking to and through all people, not just a select few. Because of the incredible victory of Jesus on the cross, God's presence and power becomes available and on show through the hearts, the minds, the words, the actions of men and women everywhere. And as we've been looking at over the last week in our message last week, in our daily devotionals, in our life groups, this moment is what we would call the day of Pentecost and we can find it in Acts chapter 2. What takes place isn't necessarily what they might have been expecting, but it does, it does turn out for great impact and great good. 
So at this point in the Bible, the Holy Spirit suddenly dwells in the hearts and minds of a group of believers and it has an outward effect on them. They begin speaking to God differently, they begin thinking differently, they begin communicating with their surrounding culture differently. Because the things of God's kingdom don't usually fall in line with the plans, the preferences, or the patterns of man. In fact, I find that they rarely do. He's not subject to another's timing or technique. He's free to move and act as he wills. He doesn't need to dictate how or when he's going to operate. He initiates as he wants because he's God. And so we find people here sitting, waiting with a sense of anticipation for something. There's this almighty moment between Jesus going back to heaven, ascending back there, and then this moment of wait, this, this promised Holy Spirit is coming. There's this tension in the air. You can almost feel it as you read the scriptures, this moment of patience and pause. And then suddenly they encounter the Holy Spirit and their lives and their hearts, their minds are filled in a new way. And of all the things that could have happened in that moment, they begin speaking in new languages and dialects for the first time. Of all the things that God could have chosen to do through them in that moment, they begin speaking to him in a new way and they begin speaking to one another in a new way. Now you might be encouraged by this, you might be confused by it, you might even be repelled by it, I don't know. We're, we're certainly not the first generation to feel that range of emotions. In Acts 2 verse 12, it says, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And it's a really good question. There's a change in behaviour, there's a change in communication that means those spirit-filled men and women fundamentally are different to how they were before. Now that shouldn't come as a surprise to any of us, regardless of where we're at on our journey of faith. Because if God is real, and if he were to impact our lives, it stands to reason that that impact would leave us looking and sounding differently to how we were prior to the encounter, surely. If the Spirit of God does indeed want to meet with me, commune with me, dwell in my heart, how could I possibly continue unchanged? When we give our hearts and our lives to Jesus uh, and we're invited to be filled with the Holy Spirit, an equipping happens that enables us to function more effectively within that new position that we find ourselves in. Now, I'll be honest, I used to think the work of the Holy Spirit was weird. Weird, weird, weird. Why would God choose to allow his people to behave in such a different way, to speak in new tongues and languages? Why would he allow behaviour that causes onlookers to feel perplexed and bewildered? Surely that's more of a hindrance than a help. I used to think that. I don't think it's weird anymore, I think it's wonderful. Because now that I've encountered the love and power of God's Spirit alive and at work in my life, I don't really want to look and sound how I used to. I don't really want to speak to him in the same way that I might have imagined I would have done before I really encountered him. In my experience, most people are pretty close to or perhaps hesitant towards the work and the voice of the Holy Spirit, as if the Holy Spirit is like some kind of rogue agent within the Trinity that, that can't be trusted or that we should be embarrassed or, or maybe wary of. And perhaps if you're like the, the crowd in Acts, you're listening in, in bewilderment, can I just say, receiving the gift and speaking in tongues has transformed my prayer life and therefore my life and helped me in my ability, my understanding of what it means to connect with God. I can't fully explain it, but it truly has. I read of this account in the book of Acts many, many years ago, and rather than choosing disbelief and thinking like, I'm just, it was too mysterious or that 
that it was something that I should be embarrassed by. I just simply began asking God to allow me to experience it for myself. And now I find over and over again, every single day, that is a gift that helps me to express my heart more fully to God in prayer, more fully than I'm able to do when I just speak to him in my own native language, in English. Do you know, I have three children, and there are words, there are sounds, phrases that I whisper to them that only me and they know about, that only me and they can really enjoy and understand the meaning of. Those expressions, those those utterances are a marker of something deeply personal, deeply relational between me and them. And if that's true of a natural relationship, how much more might it be plausible or maybe even necessary in a relationship with our Heavenly Father? Now sometimes when I'm speaking to God, I just don't really know how to express myself. I don't know really what I'm meaning. Maybe because my perspective is too limited, I'm just unsure of how to express my emotions really well. But when I speak to him in this new language, inspired by the Holy Spirit, it's it's like my heart connects with the heart of my Heavenly Father. And what I'm able to convey to him in those moments, those expressions are are coming from what I really mean and what I really feel, if I could really just access it and, and dig into it. The Holy Spirit takes those prayers and translates them, interprets them on my behalf, so that they become all that they should have been when they left my mouth and landed at the feet of my Father. And what's more, I have an enemy. You have an enemy, the devil. And, but he can't decipher it when we speak to God in this kind of way. He's limited, he, it disorientates him, it stifles him. Unlike God, he's not omniscient. He's, he's not all-knowing. And so there are things that we can say to God that he doesn't get the intel on. He doesn't have any access to it when I speak to God in tongues. He doesn't know what to do when I speak to my Heavenly Father like that. And just like learning and speaking in any language, there's a, a, prof- a fluency, there's a, a proficiency that God invites us to develop and to enjoy. There's a dependency that I believe the Holy Spirit puts within us and enables that increases the potency of spiritual gifts within us. I'll share one particularly intriguing or perhaps striking story. A good friend of mine was travelling some years ago in Spain and she found herself in a really difficult position. She wasn't able to communicate, she didn't speak the language, she found herself really stuck And she went into a toilet cubicle to pray. She began speaking to God in tongues. In that moment, the Holy Spirit gave her the ability to speak fluently in Spanish for the first time ever. There and then, she learnt the language. God gave her access to something that that so many people would think was ridiculous and that would be a fake story. But it, it was made possible to her in that moment. It opened up the situation to her certainly reminded her that he was with her, that he was powerful, that he was with her in that, uh, in that trial. And she, it happened, and she's been speaking fluently in Spanish ever since. Now, I don't have lots of examples or accounts of that happening, but I do have that one. This gift was given fully and immediately to all believers at Pentecost, and it demonstrated that a power was at work and available to all groups, all nations, all tongues. In that moment, it highlighted the truth that all nations were to feel the impact of the presence and the transformation, the love of their Heavenly Father. Where sin led to scattering and confusion of nations and languages, like we read in Genesis 11, it's the desire of the Spirit to reconcile, to knit people together, like we read in Acts chapter 2. If you believe that God has given you the gift of tongues, I encourage you to use it more and more. And if you don't feel like you've received it yet, or you're bewildered by it, or you're not really sure about it, I just encourage you to ask for it. 
You have a heavenly father that wants to give you good gifts. Desire it, be intrigued by it. I don't think it's something that we should be embarrassed about. I believe that it's still available today for God's people and for those who earnestly seek him and, be, and to, who are open to it. Just like Act 2, we can choose to be either amazed or perplexed. What's your reaction going to be? So we've briefly touched on an aspect of how we might be enabled to speak to God through a new way. But in Acts 2, we also see Peter speaking of how God will speak to us and through us. Peter stands before a crowd. He, he recites a promise from God spoken some 900 years beforehand by a man of God named Joel. He states that one day the Spirit would be poured out on all people and that they would see new visions, have new kinds of dreams and prophesy. At Pentecost, the gift of prophecy is opened up and seemingly becomes available not just to a few, but to many. A prophetic word is inspired by the Holy Spirit and helps point us towards the purposes, the promises and the presence of God in our lives. We can see through verses such as 1 Corinthians 14, 3, that it should be utilised to bring strength, encouragement, comfort to people. Prophetic words echo the heart and nature of God over a person or a situation and therefore they, they should never stand in contradiction to what we read in the Bible as well. Do I see from God, hear from God as much as I'd like? No, probably not. But I think that's largely in part due to the fact that I'm just distracted by the other voices and the other situations in life. Perhaps if I tuned into the voice of God as much as the voices that I might lean into in, on Netflix or YouTube, I'd hear him more clearly. But I have seen things, I've heard things from him that I can't unsee or unhear and it has changed my life. One thing that I believe to be true, whether it's simple or complex, a word from God changes everything. Let me make this really personal for a moment and just share a few prophetic words, direction that God has shaped with me over the years. Some of you are going to believe this, some of you might not. God spoke to me when I was 19. I'd only recently been following Jesus, I didn't know anything really about prophecy. And one day I was saying some goodbyes to family as I was about to leave for South America for, for six months. And I felt God revealed to me in that moment that I was saying my last goodbye to my grandfather, that he would pass away while I was gone. He, God reassured me that it was going to be okay, that he'd be with me, he'd be with my family, that I could trust him. And a week after I left, my grandfather died. But it gave me confidence to know that God was with me, even though I was now thousands of miles away. When I was 20, God revealed to me that I was going to marry AJ. At that time, we were studying in different cities. We were just friends. We weren't even dating at that point. But I put my confidence in God. And now we've been really happily married for nearly 13 years. When I was 24, I was in this packed out venue. I was at a Christian gathering. And a lady who didn't know me at all singled me out in the crowd, a whole crowd of people, and told me that God was one day going to lead me to be a church leader. At that point, I thought I was going to be joining the police force. That's what I was kind of aiming my life towards. But what she called out of me in that moment happened and it's completely changed the, the direction of my life. In September 2011, God told me that he was going to bless my wife and I with a child that we'd conceive between Christmas and New Year. At the end of the year, we were going to conceive a child. September the following year, we gave birth to our first child. Age 27, God told me that I was going to become a church pastor but not until I was 30, that I was to go and work elsewhere, that I wasn't going to work for the church for several years, but he would provide for me, he'd take me on a journey of provision, 
Do you know, I started working for Everyday Church two days before my 30th birthday, three years later. At no point have I heard a loud, booming, Morgan Freeman-style voice. But on each occasion, it's been like this profound sense of assurance, this incredibly deep, secure confidence inside me, and a comfort that God has established these impressions, that there is this direction before me that I can trust, it's going to be absolutely for my good. And I have many other stories like that, times where God has revealed the nature of his heart to me through images, impressions, even dreams. Even just the other night, I had a dream that really shaped something for me. And none of these moments, none of these, these impressions, these, these places of guidance stood alone. They were part of a process of pursuing Jesus, consistent prayer, deepening knowledge of the Bible, seeking wise counsel from people around me. They didn't necessarily result in any kind of knee-jerk reaction, but I certainly allowed them to shape and influence the direction that my life would take, the, the direction that my faith might grow in, that sense of expectation that God is indeed faithful and in control. Joel and then Peter proclaimed that God would pour out his spirit on all kinds of people that we would think, speak, dream, perceive differently. I really believe that this is true and available today to me and you. Available today that, in a way that might connect us with the heart and the purposes of the God who deeply desires to, for us to encounter his love and direction in life. I'd love for us to continue pursuing this as a church, growing in expectation for more of it and not less. The post-lockdown church needs to desire more of the Spirit. Our children need us to be shaped by the voice of and the power of the Holy Spirit. They need to catch something of his nature and his power and his intimacy from us. And our city needs us to desire more of the Spirit. They just don't realise it yet. This is not something that we see a lot of evidence for in the Western culture, or indeed the Western church. I'm standing in London today, I don't, I, there's not a lot of evidence of it necessarily, but it's something that we need to be open to rather than closed to. I think that because comfort is king in many people's lives, it's far easier to, to live out faith in ways that minimise the risk of ridicule or vulnerability. But the way that we consider the gifts that God makes available to us is a reflection of how we actually consider God himself. Are you excited by these gifts, the prospect of them, or perhaps embarrassed by them, repulsed, indifferent? The invitation to me and you today is that God wants to speak to us and through us. So let's take him at his word. I hope this stirs some faith in you, some desire for more of God in your life. I'm going to be back in a minute or so, or so with two of my friends who are going to share some of their experience as well using these gifts. I'll be back in a minute. So I'd love to introduce two of my friends into our focus uh, today on spiritual gifts. So we've got Jules and Jody uh, joining me now, two people I've just got so much uh, love and respect for. Over the years, I've just been so encouraged um, by the way you guys have demonstrated your gifts and how you um, just show the people around you what it looks like to come into God's presence to just to have great expectations of, of your father speaking to you and through you and so there's a, a range of spiritual gifts and this week we've chosen to focus our attention specifically on how we can speak to God in a new way and also how he speaks through us and so Jodie I wonder just uh, first question to you what what has the role of spiritual gifts played in your understanding of of who you are and, and who your Heavenly Father or what your Heavenly Father wants to do through you. 
Yeah, um, I think the spiritual gifts make me feel really, really loved because it kind of blows my mind to think that God chooses to share his heart with me through my prophetic gifting um, and that he asks me to partner with him as he loves his people. So I'm really grateful that he loves me enough to want to go on that adventure with me. Um, and I think the second thing is that it makes me really passionate about being part of the church. God wants to use me to bless his people and to bless his world. And when we encounter the presence of God, we grow in our spiritual gifting. We're changed and transformed, just like the disciples were. Um, and so from that place, we can go out and change and transform the world. Yeah, that's so helpful. Jules, how about you? The same question to you. Um, Ephesians 3.14 and 1.17 say that we can ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the love of God to us. As I ask him, the Holy Spirit keeps giving me beautiful pictures of what God's like and how he feels about me. I saw a picture of Jesus reaching to rescue me from a deep pit, then sitting me next to him at a banqueting table in the Father's house. I could tangibly feel Jesus' love for me and saw my name was written on a gold invite because he'd chosen me to be there. In another picture, I saw the Father embracing me and welcoming me home. Just like the prodigal son, I felt him say he wanted me to put this ring on my finger. Every day I see it and the father reminds me I'm his. The Bible also describes us as his bride. I had a picture of me in a beautiful white dress, dancing with Jesus as the bride he loves. My life, like so many others, has been totally changed by encounters with the love of God through spiritual gifts. Now I find myself sharing God's love everywhere because it just overflows. Yeah, so evident. Jules, I wonder just, if you could just uh, carry on just for a moment. Um, how has how hearing from God through the gift of prophecy in particular helped you to demonstrate God's love to others? The Holy Spirit delights to give us prophecies and pictures for our friends to help them see God's love on their journey to him. When starting a one-to-one -one alpha course, I saw a picture of my friend chatting and walking hand in hand with Jesus, surrounded by spring trees. So I shared it to explain that Jesus wanted such an intimate relationship with her. And by the middle of the course, she had asked Jesus into her life and was developing this beautiful, intimate relationship that he had spoken of. Another friend of mine had a child with special needs who was being intimidated at school. I shared a picture of this baby bird safe in a nest and that I felt the father was saying to her that her son would not be harmed for he was in God's hands. I also shared a picture my father-in-law received when he was dying of him at a door waiting with joy to see Jesus in heaven. A few months later, my friend also gave her life to Jesus. I've had the privilege of seeing lots of people saved and so often the beautiful prophecies and pictures the father has spoken over them have been truly significant steps in their walk towards him. Amazing. Well done for, for walking and speaking with such boldness. That's so amazing. Jodie, same question to you. How, how about you? Um, so, yeah, I was thinking a lot about the kind of the gift of speaking in tongues. Um, and last year was a really, really difficult year for our family. Um, and it just felt like there was a period of time where there was a relentless wave of horrible things that just kind of came one after the other after the other. Um, and I was really, really struggling. And it just felt like when I came to God, I just didn't have anything to offer him. And it was just easier to keep him at like arm's length. Um, and worship is such a weapon when we're in those difficult seasons because it helps lift our gaze back to Jesus. But when you're in the middle of it, 
in the middle of that storm it's really really hard to come in worship um, and so someone was like why don't you pray in tongues and I found it so helpful because it just meant that when I didn't have the words from myself I wasn't limited to the English language and so speaking in tongues was the overflow of my heart to God and I found myself then coming back into alignment with his heart and kind of based back in the promises that he had for me amazing that's so good Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for, for sharing your experiences and making it personal as well. I really appreciate that. I wonder whether you, um, the two of you could also join with me and and the people that are joining with us at Everyday Online just to to pray that we'd experience more and more of this, that 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 we would encounter God's love and direction in our day-to-day lives as well. Uh, I know that would certainly be your heart for the church you're part of, and so hopefully this, this prayer will be amened across uh, across the, the, the world as, as people are joining with us. Father God, um, I want to ask that you'd help us to recognise that we we all need to experience your love and your presence more than we realise. And because of the spiritual gifts that you want to equip us with, we have access to your love and presence more than we realise as well. So thank you so much, God. I pray, God, that Everyday Church will increasingly be a church family that is released to enjoy the good things of your spirit mm-hmm. please god develop an increasing sense of expectation for this for, for our good and for your glory jesus we ask for it again we expect it again we're hungry for it again amen mm-hmm. amen